Welcome to Snowcast, the new podcast from Snow Sites. I'm your host, Alex McNamee. Each week, I'll be talking to journalism teachers and students and working professionals about journalism best practices, lessons from working in the field, and everything in between, hopefully of interest to you. This week's guest is Allison Graves, a reporter for MediaWise. We'll talk more about what that is right after this. On the phone with me is MediaWise reporter Allison Graves. Allison's a graduate of the University of Missouri J School. Uh, so are you from Missouri? I'm not from Missouri. I'm from Virginia originally. Uh, but, yeah, went to school there for four years. Loved it. Haven't been back in a while, but from Virginia. Where uh, in Virginia? Where did you go to high school? I went to Waynesboro High School. So Waynesboro is kind of near Charlottesville. Uh, it's pretty central to the state. Um, about three hour drive from DC. That's where people usually ask me how close is it to DC. Not close, um, but it's a really small town. Um, really close to Charlottesville. Usually, that's where okay. people know. <laughs> uh, so, media wise, uh, is a part of that Politifact slash Pointer family, and I know that because Aaron, um, that's Aaron Sharakman, the executive director of Politifact. So he gave a presentation about it. Um, at the Jayhawk Media Workshop this summer, which is at Kansas University, which I'm sure um, you are not too fond of being a Mizzou grad. Yeah, uh, I the whole surf war thing ended before I got there, but I'm well aware. <laughs> yeah. uh, I actually was also at a, another presentation at the Virginia Jay camp in, mm-hmm. in July. It just wasn't uh, by Aaron. He he was kind of going on quite a tour um, to put this out in front of people. I believe it even took him to, to Russia. Did you any do any kind of public appearances um, to kind of showcase media-wise this summer at all? Well, we have you some. Per- uh, me personally, I haven't gone anywhere too far. I have just gone to local high schools. I gave a talk to a lot of um, teachers in the area recently, I think, I talked to 30 or 40 of them, and that was Tampa Bay uh, teachers. But coming up here soon, we'll we'll be attending some conferences, uh, the Journalism Education Association Conference at the end of October. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so we'll definitely, I myself, will be traveling to get the word out more. But me, uh, more recently, it's been kind of in the Tampa Bay area, kind of working with high schoolers in town. And then it's kind of like, how can we take our message across the country? So, um, like I said, a lot of it's been in the Tampa Bay area where I'm going, but uh, we're definitely mm-hmm. going to be going to events across the country as the year ends and then, of course, into 2019. Well, and you get to bring it to this podcast audience, and I think we're all better yeah. off for it. Uh, so MediaWise is an incredibly important purpose, especially uh, for young people. So open-ended question, just tell us uh, about what it is. So I guess MediaWise is is this new project where we're really just trying to help middle and high school students be smarter consumers of information they see online. Um, That's the really broad kind of description of the project. Um, 
But in doing so, we're teaching teens how to be fact checkers and really trying to give them tools and information that they can take with them um, every time they encounter something online they think is suspect. Uh, so really, that's what MediaWise is, and we have started an Instagram, a Twitter, and a Facebook page where we're kind of letting high schoolers do fact checks, and then we're also giving tips on those pages. Um, and then we're also starting a, a new cohort of teen fact checkers across the country, which we're just now getting started. So we'll have high schoolers from different states contributing fact checks uh, to our um, social media. And um, that's basically what MediaWise is right now. But really, we're just trying to help teens be smarter consumers of what they're seeing online, know when they're seeing fake news, and um, we're not just trying to do uh, fact checks. We're just trying to also give them tips. So it's, you know, they could – maybe we didn't fact check the particular claim they're looking at on the Internet, but they have tips and ideas of how to maybe go about seeing if it's true. Um, and right. it's not just about politics. A lot of fact checking deals with just politics, but we're really covering any type of misinformation online, whether it's scams or celebrity news, really what information teens are seeing in front of them. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, po politics is not exactly um, what's going to matter most to those teenagers anyways. Yeah, so, you know, we spent um, the summer with a few teenagers, and, you know, they care about politics, but it's definitely, you know, when they come home from a long day of school, you know, that's not what they want to see on their news feed, and they realize there's misinformation there, but um, there's misinformation about everything, especially on Instagram where, news feeds and explore pages are catered to what people like. So um, we're really seeing teens want to dissect misinformation, not only on politics, but about all types of news. So I think that's something really interesting um, that we've kind of learned just in our first experience with high schoolers this summer. Yeah. So just trying to kind of help people picture what it looks like. I mean, so PolitiFact is this fact-checking website that won a Pulitzer Prize, uh, you know, mm -hmm. great watchdog recording all the time, taking what what politicians say, checking to see, you know, kind of what varying level of, of truth it is. Um, so, so it sounds like media-wise is going to be a little bit different, maybe more social media geared than kind of yeah. an all-in-one home like PolitiFact is. Yeah, so, you know, you go to PolitiFact and you expect to read maybe an 800 to 1,200 word fact check, and that's really helpful, no, no doubt about that. But with MediaWise, we're really trying to do our fact checks on social media. So instead of a 500-word article, we're trying to provide the information in a digestible Instagram video or a post on Twitter or a thread on Twitter. We're really looking for alternative storytelling methods. So, um and, and, yeah, it's not like we don't have a MediaWise website. MediaWise just kind of lives on social media and has, like, a network where we kind of create this, like, database of fact checks, but they're all on social media. You're not going to – we do have some stories, fact checks that we have written, but um, most of what we are producing are these short Instagram stories and uh, content for social media. And um, a lot of the misinformation we see is coming from Instagram, so I think that's a big reason why we've decided to put our message on there because um, it seems like tweets make their way to Instagram, Facebook posts can make their way to Instagram, mm -hmm. and that's really where we're, like, focusing a lot of our efforts right now. Of course, we want to uh, be on Twitter and Facebook, but Instagram is really where we're at right now trying to get across some uh, tips to debunk misinformation and just general fact checks. 
because, um, yeah, like people will screenshot tweets and then it'll show up on Instagram. People will screenshot headlines of stories and it'll show up on Instagram. And huh. um, it seems that that's where a lot of the young people are at right now, too, um, is, is on Instagram. <laughs> was funny when we were teaching the high schoolers they said that Facebook is where old people are or, you know people over 30 <laughs> are so um, Facebook of course is still important when it comes to the spread of misinformation among teens but I think Instagram has just been really we really started to see how much misinformation is on there and, and like I said it really a lot of content ends up on Instagram even if it didn't start there so um, it's really where we've been trying to push our message so that's at MediaWise Tips if you want to follow us on Instagram um, but that's a little bit about why we decided to use social media instead of maybe, you know, 300, 500-word articles to explain fact checks. Yeah, well, that's so interesting that, like, Instagram is such a big part of it. I mean, you know, I'm on Instagram, you know, maybe you are too, and I'm not getting any fake news from, like, checking to see what Brie Larson's up to today or, like, my couple friends or whatever. But So it, it's interesting, like, I don't really see where that comes from. But when you say, you know, just screenshots of tweets and screenshots of something on Facebook turn up there, it starts to make more and more sense. Yeah, so, you know, Instagram has that explore page, and a lot of teens' explore page is just catered to things that they like. So, you know, you might not be seeing it because it's stories about, in my field, yeah. challenge has gone wrong. Like things that teens are constantly consuming, these challenges, these trends, these ideas, these celebrity news, and it's kind of people just taking grains of truth and it's just completely, you know, morphing the, the claim for these social posts. So it's it's interesting that a lot of the stuff we see on Instagram has grains of truth or, or started with a challenge or started with some trend, but really it just gets morphed um, as it gets sent through Instagram. And I think... I think the one of the reasons is because of that that um explore page is just catered to people. It's it's really your interests are what you see pop up and it's really easy to believe what you're interested in and kind of, you know, hey, this this matches what I already think about something. So it's kind of that confirmation bias coming into effect. But the Instagram is really just littered with with misinformation and a lot of it's from meme accounts, which you typically would maybe associate yeah. with humor and stuff, but when you go to the comments, that's where you see people clearly falling for it. Even if, even if it's labeled satire on the website, the screenshot doesn't show that. So the people who are commenting on these posts are, they definitely think it's true. So I think that's why, you know, even if it looks obviously untrue, there's still, we find all the time people in the comments being fooled by this stuff. So, um, especially on Instagram. Do you find that, like, you personally are, are picking up on more and more things from just having been a part of, you know, not not only PolitiFact, but, you know, now media-wise, and you're kind of seeing firsthand and hearing firsthand how students are are seeing information and digesting it. Are you learning from it? Oh, for sure. So when I was a politics reporter, you know, I'd be listening to campaign events, looking for quotes people saying stuff in the newspaper, mm -hmm. looking for misinformation on Instagram is just such a different mindset because I'm not looking for, you know, cold, hard claims. Sometimes it is ideas or trends or just like, you know, you know, photos that are just fake. So it's, you really have to be in a different mindset to kind of scout out misinformation online. And I feel like before I did media-wise, my idea of fact-checking was, you know, find a claim 
that's said or written. Now it's like you can fact check images and videos if they were manipulated. There's just so much more nuance with misinformation on Instagram hmm. because it's not just a claim and the is that right or wrong. It's like, well, you know, part of this video is actually uh, you know, real, but they actually manipulated the other half of it. You know, there's scenarios where there's more nuance with fake images and things like that. These poor teenagers these days, huh? You know, I yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it, but they're pretty smart, you know. When we worked with six of them this summer, they all seem yeah. pretty well aware that misinformation is a problem. No one was denying that, you know, it's a thing. But most of the time when I show teenagers a fake post or, you know, an image that looks questionable and I ask them, is this real or fake, most of the time they can tell me it's fake, but when I ask them to show okay. me how it's fake or explain that type of process, how you would go about proving or telling someone who doesn't know that, that's when I found that, like, maybe some high schoolers could use some help along the way is, yeah, you can tell it's fake because it looks like a bad Photoshop job, but what are some ways I can just know that for sure without having just to use my own subjectivity to identify? So a lot of those tips, like a reverse Google image search, which I think a lot of people might be uh, accustomed to or know what it's about, that's something that we found that a lot of high schoolers, you know, didn't really know how to use a reverse Google image search in a way to debunk fake news. Of course, they maybe knew about it, but not in a way for fact-checking. So um, I think a lot of those tips and stuff, we're just trying to, to look at ways that, hey, if you didn't fact-check it, and you're just looking at it on your own computer screen, what's one way you could go about debunking it? Yeah. You know, I feel like there's, uh, and you mentioned it, I mean, these, these kids are, are smart and smart users of all of these social media tools and and the Internet. And it's really easy to think that teenagers should have a handle on this. I mean, their lives have been saturated by the Internet. Um, they're using Instagram and YouTube yeah. at basically like a professional level by the time they're 13. Yeah, and and I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, they grew up with a phone in their hand. They must know how to know what's real or fake in front of them. But I think that really speaks to the center of this project is this body of research from the Stanford History Education Group. And they did research that shows that despite these teens being online all the day, a good chunk of them are unable to correctly evaluate the credibility of online news and information, and they really don't know who to trust either is something we've learned, too. Um, um, They they don't know who to trust when they go online, and, uh, yeah, they might be smart consumers. They might have been doing it since they've been, you know, in diapers on a phone, had a phone in front of them, but they still really struggle to critically think. And, you know, yes, I can send an email with an attachment, and I know how to send a Snapchat to all of my friends, but um, it really is kind of in trying to teach them how to critically think why they're just kind right. of doing these mindless things on their phone. Like you scroll through a feed on Twitter, you're scrolling, you're scrolling, you're scrolling, and you don't really critically think about any of the information that's being presented in front of you. So it's kind of retraining their brains to not only just be really quick with using technology, but also remember that they have to critically think along the way because everything they're seeing online has an agenda. But people who post things usually have an agenda, and it's kind of thinking critically about why people are posting things, or why this post was said today, things like that. All right, and you mentioned, though, that Stanford research. So there are, I guess, a few tracks to this whole thing. So you have the Stanford research that um, 
that is going to result in there being, it sounds like, real kind of teachable curriculum, hopefully, about media literacy, uh, which is not a a subject I exactly covered in in, uh, my high school journalism classroom when I was going through as a student. And then there's the, the student involvement side of it. So you're trying to get teachers and students both uh, involved or a little bit more educated on um, all of these different things to help them basically be able to understand what they're seeing, what's wrong about it, like you were saying. Yeah, so it is cool because it's like we're helping teachers. Like you said, Stanford is developing this curriculum for schools to teach information literacy and improve on this, uh, what they call civic online reasoning. But then the other component, which is the high school is actually get to learn and help us fact check with this kind of um, uh, cohort that we're forming across the country. So, yes, teachers will have curriculum to teach their students inside the classroom, but we're also training students across the country um, tips and ways to fact check, and then they'll actually be doing the fact checking. And you know, we started this summer with just six high schoolers um, helping us fact check. So a typical day would look like for them, them coming in, you know, looking on Instagram, looking on their own Facebook feeds, looking for things that they think are a little fishy, and then pitching us those ideas. And then we would turn that into a fact check or a script or something for Instagram. Um, and we hope to just expand that across the country. So instead of six high schoolers, we hope to have 75 high schoolers across the country doing fact checks. And they're going to be doing fact checks based on, you know, skills and things that we give them and kind of like a handbook, kind of a way how to fact check on for social media. And we still have to lay out a lot of how that's going to work. But um, I think it's really cool that the high schoolers are actually doing the fact checking because I think the audience is more receptive to high schoolers telling them what's up than adults telling them what's up. And that's yeah. definitely one thing, you know, obviously we're on Instagram because that's where teenagers are. but um, we're also having high schoolers do the actual work, which I think just speaks to the audience far more. Yeah, than and, and how does one. how does that work then? Um, teens, the students doing the fact checking. So if, if there is a student listening to this who's like, that sounds interesting. What do they do to like try to get involved um, with this yeah. project? So. Right now, we're kind of just getting interest, gathering information about who would be interested in this type of project. So if you are interested in being a fact checker, researching this information online for MediaWise, you can go to our Instagram, at MediaWiseTip, at MediaWiseTips, I should say, and there is a link in our bio to a survey. And the survey is really quick. It shouldn't take you more than five to ten minutes. It has a few questions about um you know, your background, if you've worked at newspapers, uh, how do you determine what's credible online. But if you fill out that survey, that kind of lets us know you're interested, and then that'll start the process of us getting you the materials you need to actually do fact-checking at your high school. So um, ideally, we'd have fact-checkers contribute at least one check a month. We don't know how it'll look, if it'll be stories they write or just, you know, scripts yeah. like you've been seeing on our Instagram. But if anyone's interested, they can go fill out that survey and um, – Really, we're just trying to gather interest right now, and then once we see how many people are interested, um, we may have to select people based on that. But um, we're just trying to see who's interested right now. So that's we really would love it if you guys, if you are, go fill out that survey at MediaWise Tips. It's the link in the bio. Um, unfortunately, we're not a business account, so we don't have the nice, uh, the nice tool where you can just like swipe up for the link. But uh, <laughs> 
And then um, also, if you if people have just general questions about MediaWise, they can also email mwkits at pointer.org, um, and that'll connect you to either me or Hewitt, who is the multimedia reporter who produces all those Instagram videos you see. Okay. So you had the chance to work with a group of student interns this summer for MediaWise, and you wrote this article um, about it for Pointer that was published a week or so ago, August 16th, titled, mm-hmm. What We Learned About Media Literacy by Teaching High School Students Fact-Checking. So anybody can go read that. Now, there's several interesting little nuggets in there, uh, including this one about one of the interns asking if the Chicago Tribune was a reliable source. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you guys had the kind of reaction um, to that question as I did reading it and me being from uh, Illinois especially. Um, I mean, it's the Chicago Tribune, but you touched on earlier not knowing who to trust. Yeah, and you know, our first instinct to that was, oh, my goodness, we've completely failed. How come we haven't known <laughs> that the Chicago Tribune is a reliable source? But it, I think it really plays more into, like, the larger point that, like, students don't know who to trust anymore. And I think growing up, a lot of people knew who they could trust, the local TV stations, their doctors, the government. But now everything, everybody that people are trusting, there's all, all these questions around all these people. And I think teenagers are just kind of left with, like, not even one one person or organization they don't want to trust. So, well, you know, it did kind of worry me, like, man, what have I taught them in the last, you know, three, four weeks? It does, I think, answer <laughs> the larger question of, like, who do these kids trust at this age? And I just, I just can't think of – I just don't know if there's, like, an answer. Like, there maybe could have been 50 years ago. People had answers to that question, and now, you know, that's just not the case. Right, or even like you and I, not to group us together, but you know we have probably the the reporters that we know of and trust that yeah. we follow on Twitter, and we certainly have the the you know the news sites like the Chicago Tribune or like you know the New York Times or whatever that we're like yeah like that we trust them. It's kind of just built into who we are, who we've become. Yeah, and that's been completely you know. That whole idea that, yeah, the Chicago Tribune is a reliable source, that's just been watered down lately by attempts mm-hmm. to, you know, smear reputable news outlets as, you know, not reputable news outlets and, and things like that. So there's really a big task for MediaWise at hand to reestablish trust and kind of educate audiences about why a website is trustworthy. And I think part of that is kind of humanizing the work that reporters do every day and, and trying to really figure out, you know, who, what what a reporter does every day or what a fact checker does every day kind of humanizes the work and kind of, I think, can illustrate what's trustworthy and what's not. So really, though, that question, is the Chicago Tribune a reliable source? It's, it's really, you know, students don't know who to trust anymore. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, I assume, I guess it's it's not even down to just that there are you know, clear, visible differences between the Chicago Tribune and, like, some, you know, rampaging blog because sites can look so similar and make it look so professional now when it's, you know, a a site spreading misinformation all the time. Yeah, I know. It's I swear some of those URLs are, like, one letter off from, you know, the right URL. So 
Oh, yeah. It really same is. with Instagram accounts, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that it's the same exact thing with Instagram. I would almost, you know, argue that it's even harder because, you know, we, we see URLs every day. Instagram, you know, you don't see those URLs at the top of your web pages often. So it's 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 really hard to identify what's, what's fake and, and what's real. And I think media-wise, you know, we're going to try to help young people and teenagers learn something. So... Uh, when we're not there to, to fact check things that are coming up on their Instagram feed, they, they can use their own mind and own critical thinking to figure out what's what. And even just tell their friends, you know, hey, I just saw you share that fake thing. It's one thing to say, hey, this is fake, but it's another thing to say, yeah. hey, this is fake, and this is how I know. You know, yeah. and this is how you can not do it in the future. So um, hopefully – and it's and it's interesting. You would think maybe teenagers would be a little reluctant to this whole idea, but they really do see it as a problem, and they want to help it. They don't want adults just come in and try to fix the problem. They are all about being the one behind the camera telling telling their peers, you know, this is fake or this is not accurate or this is only half the story. They really like being the ones addressing the problem, which I thought is really cool. You know, like they don't want you know adults to do it for them. They want to do it themselves, and I think. Um, I think that bodes well for the success of the project in the future, knowing that teenagers want wanted to fix the problem themselves. So what is your next move with that specific person that asks, is the Chicago Tribune uh, trustworthy? Where where do you go from there? What do you try to teach upon them? I mean, I mean that's such that's such a wide like, – there's a lot of answers, I guess. You can yeah. But I think the thing about it is, you know, it could be the Chicago Tribune one day, it could be the Washington Post the next day. It's really just giving kids those tips and tools to identify and critically think about what's being presented in front of them. And while I don't have, like, a magic answer to the student or the teenager who asks me yeah. that, I think uh, the next step for us is actually getting them to do the work themselves. And I think when you actually do the fact-checking yourselves, you're kind of identifying patterns and trends when you do it yourself. So really, I think having the high schoolers and teenagers do it themselves is one of the best ways that we're going to be able to stop people from asking, is the Chicago Tribune a reliable source? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but I, I would just say the next step is is just to really have more high schoolers do fact-checking. Yeah, and teach them how to do it. No, that's a perfect answer. You mentioned just kind of knowing things to look for i mean are there one or two big things besides you know doing the reporting doing the fact checking that that people should be looking for to to notice something is is not right with this yeah i would say like whenever you see misspellings or poor grammar on a post that's usually Mm. a giveaway that whatever you're looking at you should find another source to check it with um, but also when things just seem too good to be true or things seem too aligned with one belief or another, we often see quotes get made up. And uh. I think one of the dead giveaways of a quote being made up is when the person saying it seems to be saying something that really speaks to conservatives, really speaks to liberals, when it kind of just sounds mm. like too good to be true is kind of, when you kind of need to have that uh, light bulb go off, like maybe maybe I should check if so-and-so really said this quote, or, or maybe I should, you know. And, and when, another thing is when you see a really one fringe news outlet or one fringe Instagram user saying something, 
that's also another red flag. Like, if it's big enough news or if there's any truth to it, you would expect a reputable news outlet like the New York Times yeah. or your local news station to be writing or, or, or saying something about it. So misspellings, if no other reputable news outlet is covering something that you're seeing, kind of just red flags that what you're viewing might not be true. I, I am skeptical about everything I see on Instagram, even meme accounts, which are supposed to be funny. Um, yeah. But if, even if you just have that kind of notion in your head, like, everything could be wrong, which is probably not, I don't know if it's the best mentality to have, you kind of do start to just see things on Instagram and you're like, huh, is that really true? And then you look into it and you're like, well, actually, that's not the full story. Or by just, you know, screenshotting the headline of the story, it completely neglects all the important context, you know? So um, you kind of just start to look at everything more critically now that I'm in this, like, mindset of, you know, misinformation like memes any memes i'm like oh this could be fake so yeah you really are in a different mindset here when you're looking for fake news and stuff right and it's so rough on instagram too i just thought of this like even if you're going there to follow you know whoever celebrities or important people you know whatever who might be disseminating news or some information that you're interested in and like it's hard to find that legit person's account when there's all these fake instagrams and you know the the so-called check marks or whatever can't even really catch up to you know who is authentic and who's not like that's just so rough yeah so we have of course like the verified check marks like the things that we've always like trusted as like okay at the end of the day that blue check mark this person's at least real but even those types of like safeguards like we we've had to call into question some of those so it's it really is tough out there on instagram and that's why it's good just to be skeptical about everything you're seeing online even if it looks like you know a a screenshot from a fox news story those are photoshopped all the time so it's Mm. it really looks convincing but it it, you really i don't want to say it rarely is is what it says it is, but right. I think right. more times than not, if you're skeptical about it, you're going to find some nuance. Maybe it's not completely wrong, but there's just more to the story usually. And, you know, that's kind of Instagram is, you know, you can have a, a single image or a group of images. There's only so much context about a story you can put forth in, on Instagram. But I think that's just one of the problems we see with it, though, is screenshotting things that need 500 words to explain, but just trying to use mm-hmm. image to explain a 500-word story just doesn't work a lot. Right. With that group of students this summer, um, what's an example or, like, your favorite example of um, something you either debunked with them or maybe even kind of the opposite of that, found to be true? So I think my favorite and it's because I love avocado so much. Um, and it's because I saw it on my own news feed it, and as well as the teenagers' news feed. There was this scam going around that Chipotle was giving away $100 gift cards. And, you know, it kind of had a rolling ticker of how many tickets were left or how many, you know, coupons were left. And it was all for National Avocado Day. It all seemed so right, you know. And it's mm-hmm. something I so dearly wanted to be true. But it was just another scam. And it's a scam as a PolitiFact reporter um, that I've seen before for airlines and in um, Dunkin' Donuts. So for me personally, that was probably the most devastating to confirm to your hopes. <laughs> but um, I think it was just interesting. That one sticks out to me because I saw it on my own feed. And 
it was multiple people were sharing it, and, and it was fooling multiple people. I think some of the other stuff that we debunk, um, maybe like uh, is Dwayne The Rock Johnson really wearing a shirt that says, Clinton's kill people, like, you can kind of tell it looks photoshopped, <laughs> yeah. where this Chipotle giveaway, it's like, wow, it's National Avocado Day, all my friends are doing it, like, kind of seems like it could be real, so, um, and it's just fun, too, to debunk stuff about scams like that, and calling yeah. it Chipotle and stuff, rather than politician spokespeople, you know, it's, it's really different fact-checking that kind of stuff versus politics, so it's, you know, a lot of times it's sad what you found out, but at the big, it's it's really a minor deal, but it's good to you know debunk some scams every now and then, especially when people are doing them. Um, but we also did one where we the In My Feelings challenge was so big this this summer, and I really mm-hmm. like Drake. I'm a Drake fan myself, so when we saw this video on Instagram of this this girl looking to be hit by a car, I think that was a good one too, where it was like, oh yeah, you know, the person who originally posted that said, hey, this is made up. But so many other people reposted the video without that disclaimer. So a lot of people thought that this girl had actually been hit by a car. So I, I also like that one, too, because I think it just really speaks to the type of misinformation that teenagers are see, seeing, you know. And yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Drake fan, like I said. So it was just <laughs> entertaining from that angle, too. But, uh, yeah, a lot of good stories this last summer. I think – I don't know – exactly how many we did with them but i think we did it more than 15 with the high schoolers and wow um, those are all on our instagram still we saved them as highlights for now which they might be going away soon but um yeah if you go check out our instagram page you can see most of the stories we debunked this summer and uh they're really quick and digestible they're only like 30 seconds to a minute 15 seconds so um, that's good yeah it's good for teenagers or even me i'm not even a teenager anymore and i don't like yeah. to look too long at an instagram story so strongly encourage if you are guys are curious about like specific other things that we fact checked or like the type of things we fact checked definitely go look at our instagram account to see all of the videos we've done we, we also do more fun things too like can you use twizzlers as a straw i did a story for media wise about straw consumption in the united states and Mm-hmm. We decided to have a little fun with it and, you know, do a video where we kind of had the high schoolers trying out Twizzlers as straw. So that was like a more fun, you know, example of some of the stuff we do. But, yeah, there's a lot of different type of content, celebrity news, LeBron James, I Promise School. Um, awesome. Guy Fieri, uh, John Oliver quotes, you know, is really a lot of different stuff. NASA is NASA sending a 17-year-old to Mars. No. <laughs> um, just. It's such a wide range of information to come in. Yeah. Students have a lot more good stuff like that to look forward to. So certainly on Instagram, um, anything else we need to plug so that they can kind of stay in touch and follow along with MediaWise and its findings? Yeah. So we're at MediaWise Tips on Instagram and on Twitter. And we do post on Twitter um, a lot of the same content from Instagram. And then Facebook, Mm -hmm. we're just MediaWise. And like I mentioned earlier, if there are any high school high schoolers, teenagers who are interested in being fact checkers for media wise, um, we have a interest survey on our bio on Instagram that you can go and fill out. Um, you don't have to commit to anything. It just kind of gives us a general idea of how much time you could spend on the project fact checking mm-hmm. and producing a lot of the videos you see on our Insta- Instagram account. So please go fill out that form. The more the merrier there. Um, 
I love reading the responses too um, from people about yeah. how they determine what's credible. Because you know, I wasn't expecting much from responses there, but I it's really interesting to see how teenagers um, explain and describe how they determine what's credible. So yeah, that that's really great information on its own. Thank you so much, Allison. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, glad I can talk about media wise. Thanks to Allison Graves for joining the podcast this week, and thank you again for listening. You can find more information about MediaWise, including those links for students and teachers to get involved, at pointer.org MediaWise. There, you can also find Allison's work, including the article that we discussed today on the episode. You can now subscribe and follow Snowcast on Spotify and Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can, of course, also find us at anchor.fm slash snowcast. We will be back next week with another episode.